today on It's Time. The Bible says you're not going to have global peace without the Prince of Peace, and that's something we have to remember. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, he's going verse by verse through the book of Revelation. So turn there in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. You know, we, as we go through the Bible, uh, line upon line, precept upon precept, the Bible says is the way we're supposed to study God's Word out of the book of Isaiah. And unfortunately, so many people today go hopscotching through the Bible, and people have said, well, you can make the Bible say whatever you want to. And that's true if you take it out of context. But when you, we take it in context, the Bible's pretty clear about who we are and who God is and what God wants from us. And what God really wants from us more than any other thing is that we would truly be able to call God Daddy. Isn't that great to know? Not some unknowable God beyond the cosmos, but Daddy. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father, which art in heaven. See, Father implies that I'm his child and you're my, you're my dad. And you know, it isn't a bunch of goopy religion and religious stuff we all are told to do, but really it's just where we crawl up in our Father's lap. Once our sins are forgiven, when we ask Jesus to take away our sins, we crawl up in our dad's lap and put our arm around him and say, Daddy, what do you want me to do for you today? That's what a true relationship with God is. It's not religion, it's relationship. So as we go into Revelation again today and we look at light review and then we'll get into chapter 6, the beginning of the tribulation period, how that applies to us today, what it would do to motivate us, cause us to think more about God's purpose for our life. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, we just ask you that you would just impart to us, each one of us, God, that little part of, uh, of our, our, our lives, God, that would be filled with your flame of fire, that we would be about your business. And Lord, you remind each one of us that we are your children and you're our God. You're our daddy. And so, Lord, may your Holy Spirit speak to us today. May your Holy Spirit come now in a special way, cause us to remember these things that we read in Jesus' name. Amen. We remember when we started the book of Revelation chapter 1, John was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. Now, he was actually targeted to be a martyr. The Roman government didn't like him, and so they boiled him in oil. This was to intimidate any other Christians that might convert or stand for their Christianity, not hail Caesar as God, and so they boiled him in oil. He didn't die. And one of the things we find in studying the book of Acts is the Romans with a Grecian background, they were pantheists. They believed in a lot of gods. 
And they were afraid that just possibly that this is a bad omen. He should have died. He didn't die. What are we going to do with him? Well, rather than try to kill him again, that could be bad. We don't want to offend the gods. Let's just exile him on Alcatraz. Now, the island of Patmos was a penal colony. It was a place where you went when you were a criminal. It's not a lot of times we think of an island with palm trees and, you know, uh, grass huts and hula girls and surfboards and no, not that kind of an island. It was an island that was a penitentiary, really. And there, the Bible tells us that John was in the spirit on the Lord's day, most likely on the first day of the week when Jesus rose from the dead. And the Bible tells us that God gave him what was going to happen in the future. Not again to scare Christians, but rather to let us know that God knows the beginning to the end all at once. God lives, the Bible says, in all times present. And so in Revelations chapter two and three, we have the age of the church. We have not only the churches that were in existence then, that Jesus wrote seven letters to seven churches, but it's also kind of the history of the church. And I believe these seven churches are kind of still in existence today in one form or another. Well, then in Revelation chapter four, the Bible says there was a voice speaking to me that said, come up here and I'll show you what must be after these things. What things? Revelation two and three, the age of the church. We never find the church mentioned again on this earth after Revelation chapter three. They're always found in heaven. And we find that Jesus there in the view of all the saints, the angels, is given a scroll. And that scroll, most people believe, is the title deed to the earth. And upon reading all of Revelation, I can't think what else it would be. But he has this scroll in his hand. And the Bible says as Jesus slips his thumb down, the seals begin to pop off. And as these seals pop off, great judgments come upon this world. Now, Jesus said something interesting concerning, I believe, the two appearances of him on this earth. The first one, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, as in the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. They were eating, drinking, marrying, given in marriage, party time. That's what the Bible says. And then there was a judgment that came upon the world. Jesus said, and the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. I believe Jesus there is speaking of the rapture of the church. Paul talks about it. John talks about it. We find sporadic pictures throughout the entirety of the Bible. Even back before the flood, the Bible says, Enoch walked with God and was taken. Well, we find God supernaturally moving people around all the way through the Bible. Shouldn't surprise us that he was going to do it in the future. But the second coming of Christ is much different. The second coming of Christ is where two-thirds of the world's population has been killed. The Bible says every living tree has burned up. All the living creatures in the sea are dead. Some, uh, some scientists have estimated if that really happened, that dead sea creatures would line every shoreline in the world 20 miles out. And you can imagine, if you've ever smelt dead fish, imagine the whole world stinking because of everything in the sea dying. No, the world, the, the dawning of the age of Aquarius that we've always heard about, this idea of the utopian world, the world will, as John Lennon said, live as one. 
is a pipe dream, friends. The Bible says you're not going to have global peace without the Prince of Peace, and that's something we have to remember. So we find then the church in heaven. And we look at this, and by the way, you might want to, we're just going to review this here uh, in chapter 5, because you should start working on the words so when you get to heaven, you'll know the song, all right? Don't you hate listening to American top radio? And there's songs that everybody hated. I mean, you used to have Casey Kasem, American top 40, and they'd play these songs. Well, I would like to come out with Mike Kessler's American bottom 40. The ones that you hated, like Billy, Don't Be a Hero. Some of you older people know that song. I hated that song. And unfortunately, when you couldn't get near the radio to change the channel, you had to listen to Billy, Don't Be a Hero until you actually, unfortunately, had to learn the words of the song. Well, even today, we realize that what we hear we begin to memorize. Well, here's a place in the scripture, and if you have your Bible, again, chapter 5, verse 9, the church is in heaven, it's been raptured, and it says, you are worthy to take the scroll, open the seals, for you were slain, so we know it's speaking of Jesus Christ, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. Now, it's not talking about angels. Angels are not redeemed. Human beings are. You've redeemed us from your blood, by your blood, out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. So it's not talking about just the Jewish nation only. It's talking about everybody, I believe, that believed in Jesus Christ. And then it says, and have made us, and here's who we are, kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Always remember who you are. Learn the words of the song. You're going to sing this song someday in heaven. You'll be sitting there and you'll say, I remember back in August in 2019, we were there, and, and the pastor said, we're going to sing this song in heaven, and here I am in heaven, I'm singing it. I think that's pretty cool, ain't it? Well, you get to do that. Well, we find that um, the church is in heaven. In, in fact, it tells us in Second Thessalonians 2, 7, if you like to write this down, and I'll just uh, read this to you because it's really pretty amazing when you read this. Second Thessalonians 2, 7 Actually, I'll start in verse 6. It says, Now you know what is restraining that he may reveal in his own time. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work in the world. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. If you'll notice in your Bible, the word he is capitalized, speaking of deity. Now remember, you have the Holy Spirit in you if you're a Christian. When the Holy Spirit takes and God takes his church out of the world, there will be nothing that will identify the Antichrist for who he is. Because the world's going to say he's the Messiah. He's finally what we've all looked for, the dawning of Aquarius. And now we finally have our world leader, a man of peace. And the Bible says that he will dupe the world into believing who he is. But the Bible tells us he's the Antichrist. He's not for Christ. He's against the Lord. And what's really important here is when we are gone, there'll be no restrictive force to keep the Antichrist from coming to power. I believe, saints, there's enough Christians in the world today that if there was a world leader that came on the world scene, 
proclaiming that he was God, that he was going to solve all the problems in the world. There's enough Christians that would say, you're not the Christ, you're the Antichrist. But when the church is gone, there's nothing that's going to restrict him. And that's exactly what it says in 2 Thessalonians 2, 7, that he will restrain until he is taken out of the way. And when we're gone, he can do what he wants. The restrainer has now been lifted. Now, when we look at Revelation 6, 1, This is the beginning of the tribulation period. This is where I can see Jesus reaching over, taking the scroll, says like a lamb that had been slain, speaking of how he died on the cross for us. And as he begins to slip his thumb down this title deed of the earth and the seals begin to pop off. And you know, you used to do that, especially when you were in your teen years, if you remember, you used sealing wax and you would send a letter to your lover and you'd put some hot wax and you'd stick your little thing, I love you, and we'd stick it in there and then we'd give it to who we liked and then they would break it and they would look at it and they'd go, oh, look at the seal. No, but they would do that and, and, and they, would, they would have that and it meant something that nobody else but them could look at it. Well, these seals, as they are popping off, we find as they're broken, crazy things happen on the earth. The first one, the first seal, now when the the lamb had opened one of the seals, and by the way, these seals were not opened till the church was in heaven. I think that's important. You never find the church mentioned on earth again. You'll find the elect or words speaking about saints. The elect are the Jewish believing brethren. The saints are people who get saved during the tribulation period. Maybe many people that you've witnessed to. It says, now when I saw the lamb open one of the seals, I heard one of the four living creatures, and by the way, they're back in verse uh, chapter 4, saying with a loud voice like thunder, come and see. And I like that because it's God's good will to show you what he's going to do. He wants you to know. It isn't like, well, you know, Christianity is so veiled. We really don't know. We kind of probe in the darkness, you know. No, no, not at all. God wants you to know what he's about. And so he says, come and see. Hey, come over here. I want you to see this. And I looked and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. Some very bad exegete of scripture says, oh, well, this is Jesus. Well, if you read the text, you'll find that it isn't Jesus. Let's look at this. First one, a white horse. And he who sat on it had a bow. The Bible, on the other hand, in Isaiah says that Jesus will rule this world with what? A rod of iron. So we know it isn't Jesus. This is something else. And by the way, I don't know if you ever noticed, if you have a bow but no arrows, what is it for? Well, it's very intimidating because most of the time the arrows was in a quiver on your back. And so if you saw somebody riding towards you with a bow, you would automatically think they had arrows in the quiver. I remember a true story about my roommate years ago. He was all hyped up on going uh, deer hunting. And he, so uh, because bow hunting opened earlier than the the hunting season uh, for guns, he he was all hyped up and he got all of his, everything was brand new and he was new at all this. And he saw this deer, this is a true story, saw this deer. He got so excited. He reached back, grabbing his quiver, an arrow, sliced his hand wide open. Well, he wasn't going to let that stop him. So he pulled the arrow out and drug it past the bow. Boing! 
So he had a bloody hand and no bow at all. I don't know what that has to do with anything I just shared, but just I thought it was an interesting story. And you thought only weird stuff happened to you. But anyway, true story. He has a bow. Now, if you see a guy on a horse with a bow, you would automatically think that he has arrows as well. So he goes out as a threat, maybe we might say a diplomatic threat, uniting the world. Notice he says, it says, and he had a bow and a crown was given to him. Jesus has not had a crown given to him. He has always had his crown. Always really important to look at the details. And he went out conquering and to conquer. Many people believe because it doesn't mention arrows, it's a diplomatic way of uniting the world. And I can see a world without any Christian influence, a world gaping for world leadership, looking for somebody that would come and straighten out the problem. So you have this guy going out. Interestingly enough, there's a And I don't want to say it's a secret society because it's not secret. But what they represent is. And you can look this up on your own. You can go to Facebook to Every Man and Answer. And you can look at the the truth about the One World Order that we have posted there. The truth about the CFR, the Council on Foreign Relations. And the Council on Foreign Relations, this is not conspiracy theory, please, friends. This is not conspiracy. This is real. It is absolute. You can check it out. And the Council on Foreign Relations is for a one world order. And the one world order encompasses many different aspects, even people in our government, from Dick Cheney to to many other people. In fact, I watched a tape with Dick Cheney saying, yeah, I've I've been head of the uh, the Council on Foreign Relations for a while. (laughs) Ha ha, the people back in Wyoming didn't know that. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Well, wait a minute. What is the Council on Foreign Relations? Destruction of America, a one world order. Check it out. It's there. It's not conspiracy. It's actually videotaping them saying it. Now, it's one thing to say, well, they said something bad. Well, who do you believe? When you got a videotape of them saying it, pretty scary stuff. The head of the uh, Council on Foreign Relations, uh, Rockefeller, you've heard of him, very wealthy man. He didn't think there was any any uh, tape recorders running or film crews handy by. There was one, though. And he said, and I quote, I want to thank the American news media for helping us carry out our agenda. End quote. It's all in the video. You can watch it. I'm not, this is not conspiracy. This is real. You want to know what's wrong with the American news media? This is the main part. They're for a one world order, collapse America, and then the one world order can take over. There's just two problems right now. One, the Christian influence in the world, and America has kind of gotten strong again. We've we become a kind of a, a, a focal point in world uh, politics. They don't want that. They want everything to collapse, and then out of the ashes, they'll build their new thing. Here's what's weird. You say, Mike, what's that got to do with thing? Do you know what the symbol of the Council on Foreign Relations is? You know how the the medallion, you know, how we, you know, an all-electric home has a little gold and it's got a little gold house. That's their medallion. Do you know what the medallion is for the Council on Foreign Relations? A guy sitting on a white horse. I go, that's weird. Well, the second seal is opened. And the second creature 
saying, come and see. Again, God doesn't want his book, his Bible, to be veiled. And again, I believe, friends, with all my heart, religion, religion's desire is to confuse true Christianity. That's why, again, when you don't read the Bible, you just give out a bunch of self-help, self-realization, motivational speaking. You know, you can do it. Yeah, get out there. You can't lose with the stuff I use. You know, I got all this weird stuff they got that they offer in place of Christianity. Well, notice it says verse 3. He opened the second seal. Another seal pops off. Bing. And the second living creature said, come and see. And another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to him, to the one who sat on it, to take peace from the earth. So we know that the guy on the white horse is not bringing in peace. He's bringing in war. You either do it our way or you're dead. And notice he says, to take peace from the earth, that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. Incredible. War now follows the Antichrist takeover of the world. We know that's going to happen. The Bible tells us that there will be warring factions. In fact, when we get up here a little bit farther, we're going to see that even though the world comes under one world order, there's still going to be different diversities of governments. We're going to see that in a second. And when he opened the third seal... I heard the third creature say, come and see. And I looked a black horse and he had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard the voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius. Do not harm the oil and wine. So what follows the Antichrist, his power takeover, his initiating wars, and then follows famine. It always does. You even got, only got so much time in a day. You can either try killing everybody or try growing some food. Hey, well, what are you going to do? All right. Well, the Bible says it's going to be basically a meal is going to cost you a day's labor. Right now, food is plentiful in the world, but it's a very fragile balance. And again, when you realize that this mishap is an example that happened in Chernobyl. Remember when the nuclear reactor melted down in Russia's basically San Joaquin Valley where they grew much of their food in in Western Europe? Well, when that melted down, all that farm ground now is so contaminated, they said they can't do anything with it for probably another, another 300 years. It's so nuclearized. And in fact, they actually showed theme parks like Disneyland that are just setting wasted. Nobody will go there because the radiation is so hot. Well, imagine if that happened in our San Joaquin Valley or some of the other places where food is grown. You can see rapidly how quickly we can go from a state of normancy to a state of chaos because of these things. War never brings about any solution. And so understanding that, but he also says, do not harm the oil and wine. So for those that have the money, they'll still be able to get stone. Um, Oil as well. The fourth seal. And I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come and see. And I looked and behold a pale horse and his name that was written on him was death and hell or Hades followed with him 
And power was given to him over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, kill with hunger and death, and by the beasts of the earth. Now, a fourth of the world's population dies in the first year or so of the tribulation period. The tribulation period, the Bible tells us, is seven years. Now, why is it seven years? Because Daniel, who was captured, child of God, Jewish person, carried away to captive, to Babylon, was praying about his nation. God, you made all these promises to Abraham. You did all these things. And now our nation is destroyed. We're carried off to Babylon. What's ever going to become of it? This is thousands of years before this was written. And God said, Daniel, don't, don't worry. He said, 70, seven year periods of time have been determined upon the nation of Israel. And in the 69th year, Messiah will be cut off. And the clock stopped. God sent his Messiah. The children of Israel rejected him as their Messiah. The clock stopped. But God still has a seven, one last seven-year period of time, that 70th week of Daniel, in which God will fulfill all the things and Messiah will come. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.